Coming up next on the Digital Marketer Podcast. The next one is grow or die. Businesses are evolving. The universe is changing. Everyone's leveling up. And if you are archaic and refuse to, you're going to have problems. This is Digital Marketer. Hey, it's Marky Grass here, and I've got a question for you. What if you could legally get the emails of almost every person who visits your site? Seriously, what if you could safely and respectfully retarget your website visitors via email just by dropping a pixel onto your site? It might sound too good to be true, but our new sponsors at getemails.com can do just that. They've created a system that's compliant with U.S. laws and regulations, and every email address they send you is opted in to receive emails. So that means that you can connect your anonymous website visitors to real people and safely retarget them through email with real-time, fully compliant interactions. It might sound too good to be true, but trust me, it works. The CEO, Adam Robinson, is brilliant. And he believes in his product so much that he's willing to do something a little crazy for digital marketer listeners. If you go through their easy 30-minute onboarding process and haven't 5X your investment within the first six months, they'll give you all of your money back. To take advantage of the offer, go to getemails.com slash digitalmarketer. That's getemails.com slash digitalmarketer. Hey, DM listeners, I've been running my own business since I was 17, and I found that nothing slows down entrepreneurs more than this one pesky question, and that's what do I do next? And left unanswered, you find yourself stuck far below your potential, jumping from one shiny object to the next, perpetually wondering why other businesses are growing and yours is stuck. So that's why Scalable has put together the seven levels of scale framework. We'll give you the shortest path possible to go from a struggling startup to a high profit, high impact, exitable business that'll give you the wealth and freedom you deserve. So stop wondering what to do next and take our free three-minute assessment today at getscalable.com slash DM. That's getscalable.com slash DM. And you can download a free guide to show you what level of scale you're currently at and how you can scale quickly and profitably to the next. Hi, DM listeners. You have a LinkedIn profile, right? But are you actually using it to generate new business? Survey says probably not. I'm Mandy McEwen, your digital marketer podcast co-host, Mod Girl Marketing Founder, and LinkedIn Nerd. Now, if you're like most professionals, you aren't exactly sure how to use LinkedIn to get results. And that's where I come in. I've trained thousands of professionals and enterprise teams on how to maximize LinkedIn. And I've narrowed down the key steps that lead to real results on LinkedIn and put them in a quick checklist that takes less than 30 minutes a day to complete. You can go to modgirl.info slash DM to start using it. Again, that's modgirl.info slash DM. Hello, and welcome to the Digital Marketer Podcast. I am your co-host, Mandy McEwen, and I am excited today for our guest, Adam Lyons from thesmartblueprint.com. So thank you, Adam, for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I am super excited to be here today. Yes, I'm excited for our chat. So today, you guys, we are going to chat about the three biggest mistakes that kill the American dream. And Adam has a ton of experience and growing and selling businesses and a wealth of knowledge for us today. So I'm super excited to get into these tips. So Adam, to start off, will you just give our listeners a quick little rundown on you and your glorious businesses and how you help other business owners? 
Yeah, so for many, many years, I've actually been good friends with uh, Roland Frazier, Ryan Dice, and Perry Belcher, obviously founders behind Digital Marketer. And uh, they often call me Digital Marketer's secret weapon. If there's something that needs doing and they don't know who to call, my phone is the one that typically rings. I have, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, I, I love it. And I like being uh, there to help people. In fact, I, I have a program uh, that I invented for my own company called the Smart Blueprint. What I tend to do is I like buying and selling companies uh, through mergers and acquisitions and helping them grow and scale. And I realized that we were often reinventing the wheel every time we took over a company. There's core things you know you should be doing, but then there are these standard operating procedures that just make sense. Like do this and you get leads. Do this, you make sales. Do this and your staff know what's going on. And so I put them all together in front of my, my C-suite who sort of like helped me run the company. And I'm like, these will be our blueprint to success. And we're going to call it the smart blueprint. And as I said it, I was like, I should sell this. And so I, I built a program specifically designed to allow those SOPs in my company and also to help other companies grow. So I think in the last two years, we've helped like 1900 business owners either grow, scale, or do merge and acquisitions or apply these SOPs themselves. So it's, wow, uh, it's been pretty that's impressive. 1900. Yes. I love it. And these are all sorts of different types of businesses, right? Across all Everything. different industries. Yeah everything. And that's one of the things that I love about this. Like I, myself, I own 10 companies and they range from a dating advice company through to a mergers and acquisitions negotiation company through to a fitness company. And I even have a brick and mortar retail Dungeons and Dragons shop. So, I mean, there's, it's about as <laughs> I varied saw as that. That's incredible. <laughs> I love that so much. That's fun. Yeah. I, I love it. Actually, that's one of my favorites uh, is that one just because it, it turned up like, because obviously I'm always saving companies and my children, I have five kids and they all know that that's what wow. I do. Mm-hmm. And uh, one day my nine-year-old came home. He's 12 now, but he was nine at the time. And he's crying. He's like, dad, dad, oh my God. And I was like, what's up, buddy? Are you okay? He's like, I am not okay. They're going to close the Dungeons and Dragons store. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Oh my God. I'm so sorry. He goes, dad, fix it. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? And he goes, you fix businesses, right, dad? And I was like, well, yeah. And he goes, fix it for me, fix it. And so I find myself going to our local town to talk to a guy who has been tanking his Dungeons and Dragons store for the last five years. And I'm like trying to help him. And I'm like, this guy does not want to fix this. He's, And so I was like, well, how much to buy the thing? And so I ended up buying a game store that was losing $1,000 a month. And uh, yeah, this was, it was a couple of years ago, like I said, and um, what was really funny about it is I, I started justifying it. Like, oh, it doesn't matter if it loses a thousand a month. I, you know, I make a lot of other, I make a lot of money elsewhere and it came with parking. I was like, oh, I could do with some parking for a thousand a month. You know, <laughs> yes. it's like how your brain goes. And then this amazing event happened called COVID and all people stopped going to physical location. So I went from losing a thousand a month to grossing $53. And yeah, suddenly this was a big problem. Uh, And now the amount of money I was going to lose was a lot more. And I was like, I actually have to turn this thing around. And so I I, thankfully had nothing to do because of COVID and I was just working (laughs) remotely. So I went into the game store myself and started overhauling all the processes by applying the smart blueprint that we'd normally put in a seven-figure company into a tiny little Dungeons & Dragons shop with the theory that it would work. And I mean, it, you know, thank you. It did. It, it grew massively. In fact, it got so big 
that we were capable of leveraging the revenue we made to buy a commercial property during the dip. If you remember, there was a, a commercial property dip in the middle of COVID. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we moved into a giant, beautiful brick building in the center of town oh, nice. that was paid for from the, from the game store. And uh, we awesome. actually just converted upstairs into an event space now, which will generate even more. And the game store itself is doing, I mean, it's doing a high six figures. Every, it pays for itself and, and of course bought me a lovely building. So there That's we go. That's <laughs> incredible. Well, congratulations. I love that. I love that story. That's so yeah, great. So, yeah, so, so on that note, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Adam, on that, that's like a perfect segue into why companies are failing. Like perfect example of like the Dungeons and Dragons store, right? <laughs> so that's why we're here is to talk about, you know, the biggest mistakes that, that these small business owners make and, and why they why they fail. So let's get into it. So obviously I'm a nerd because, you know, I do Dungeons and Dragons as well. And I love numbers and I love data. <laughs> so there was a study that was done by CB Insights on behalf of LendingTree. If, uh, CB Insights is a cool company that just analyzes marketing data and, and data from all sorts of shops. So if you ever, ever want to see some cool statistics, you can go to CB Insights. And uh, they came up with an entire uh, data infographic on reasons why startup companies fail. So to, to put this in perspective, um, one in every three small businesses will fail within quite a short period of time. And then the second of three will end up collapsing within 10 years. So to put this in perspective, wow. if you currently yeah, have a business under 38 million a year in revenue, you will be one of, or potentially one of 500,000 businesses in America every single year that close down. And your chance of surviving beyond 10 years is one third. So if you know some other business owners and you've got like two friends and they own businesses, only one of the three of you is going to last 10 years. Just to show how real this is. This is a a very dangerous thing. What's Mm -hmm. fascinating is they found that the three biggest reasons that companies fail, the first one accounts for 42%. The second one is 29%. And the last one's 23%. So we're talking three major mistakes. Pretty big chunks. Yeah. Yeah, these are, these are huge. What is really scary is I speak on stages all over the world about business. I've, I've been at the Traffic and Conversion Summit. I've spoke at the War Room, at Scalable, and many other, uh, many other masterminds around the world on this subject. And I always say to people in the audience, can you guess the three? You'd think people would know the three biggest mistakes, right? Like, because avoiding them would be very important. Like, better not right. do those three things. Yeah. And I've never yeah. met a single person. I know. Name I'm it. sitting here thinking as a business owner, I should probably know this, you know, like Adam, I should probably know this. And I'm, yeah, I hate to admit that I don't. So it's, here we are. It's, it's a tough one. Yeah. And I always, I, I love trying to get people to guess. So I'll tell you the first, the first one, very few people ever get. So the first one, this is 42% of companies collapse because there's no actual demand for what they want. Hmm. And okay. this is... Not surprising if you think about how most business owners create their business, they, they will do one of two things. They will either be like, hmm, I've got this great idea for a business. I'm going to make it, which is mm-hmm. no market research, no business plan, no, no idea of what the demand is like or any kind of research. Just this is a good idea. I'd buy it. Mm-hmm. And then and then they make it. Yeah, they do it the, based on what they want. Right. Not what uh, other people want. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes not even what they want. Cause I'll say to them, would you buy it? And they go, no, I don't need to. I'm like, well then you wouldn't even buy it. Right. Like, right? So, so, why so that's are you doing terrible. It? Right. Yeah. Why are you doing it then? If you wouldn't even buy it. And then the other way that people do it is they're like, Oh, this other person has a business doing this. I'm going to do it. 
Oh, which is yeah. basically someone else is already doing it. So why not add more competition into that marketplace, right? <laughs> which is absolutely terrible. So yeah. um, one of one of the first things we do actually, so inside our, our, our Smart Blueprint program, M in, in SMART stands for marketing. And in our marketing strategy, what we do is we have people join communities, whether it's Facebook groups, Discord groups, LinkedIn groups, and pay sometimes or ask permission from the admin to make a simple post or a poll that just says that there's variants of this, but one of my favorite ones is to say, if there is one thing you could improve about, and then whatever the companies you're planning or doing or the business or, or the niche, whatever it was, the industry, what would it be? And now you're going to have a whole bunch of people list out all the things they wish existed or wish people did differently. So you'll have people be like, oh, I wish somebody made an accounting software, but it was more user-friendly. And then you'll see, oh yeah, I'd love that. I'd love that. I'd love that. And suddenly instead of I'm going to become an accountant, becoming an accountant that developed a specific type of accounting software that's user-friendly is suddenly a really good idea. Totally. Another thing you can do, which I, I love this, go to Amazon, find a book that is regarded as like the best book on the subject of whatever industry you want to be in. So if I want to be in nutrition, just type into Amazon best nutrition book and whatever pops up number one with the most reviews, mm -hmm. go to the three star reviews and read them. Cause oh, your, th your three star reviews are people that wanted to like the book, but it was missing something. They really wanted to, they really wanted to like <laughs> it. It just wasn't right. there for them. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many times I've done insane market research in half an hour by going straight on Amazon, reading a three-star review. And it'll be like, I love all the books on this subject. I just wish people had more practical examples. I'm like, oh, great. So I will do a program, a video, a seminar, a training, a book, whatever, but I'm just going to make it all about practical examples. And so mine literally might just be called practical examples of how to mm -hmm. whatever the thing is. Mm -hmm. And Suddenly right. you've gained your USP. You've done more market research than, yep. I mean, at least 42% of other business owners, according to the, the data and statistics, right? Right. And, uh, and you now know more than most people. And what's cool is in, in, in my companies, we will do this research once a month on every brand. Oh, and so okay. every month we know whatever the new thing is that we should be developing because there are trends that change. Crypto, NFTs, crypto gaming, AI, people that want to do physical locations then don't want to do physical locations. Like once more time, no live events, everything must be virtual. Now we should do live events again. And by doing this kind of data research that really doesn't cost a lot of time or money, you actually deliver what people want the way they want to get it. Mm -hmm. I love that. And hardly anyone is doing that, you know, no. which is kind of like the shortcut, right? Like you just told us a shortcut way of doing this, where I feel like people either aren't doing it or they're doing it a really hard way. That's not as simple as what you just said. <laughs> yeah. It's so easy to do and you can do it. And like, you can just thinking outside the box of it. Let's just say you're an agency owner. Cause I know on digital marketing, obviously there's a lot of agencies. That'd be me. Yep. Perfect. How cool to go to all of your competitors and read their three-star reviews. Because yes. again, it was a cost. Because if they don't like you, they one-star you, right? They're like, this guy sucks, one star. Mm -hmm. If they love you, five stars, nothing could be wrong. But the three stars like, oh, I really did enjoy the service, but, and now you're gonna gain a lot of really cool insight into how to separate yourself from everybody else. Yeah, that is super smart. I love it. Love it, love it. 
I'm guessing your next one might have something to do with the audience since you talked about not having something that people want. Am I right? Is there an audience (laughs) thing in there? Yeah, no, no, it's not. There isn't? No, but it's really funny because that's the thing people think. Maybe that is the audience. Maybe that's the first thing. It has to do with, you know, like you have to have people that are buying what you want. So Exactly. Yeah, the first thing is if you create something that people want, the audience can't, it pulls the audience in. Whereas a lot of business owners are trying to force their product out rather yes. than pulling it in, right? Yes. So like, I'll, I'll give you an example. I just launched my fitness company. I, I actually, I acquired 40% of it. I didn't build it from scratch. I don't like building okay. businesses from scratch anymore. I like acquiring them. So I acquired nice. a fitness company that was doing about 87 grand a year and it had a physical location, had like a, a, a gym. And okay. I really liked the guy that ran it and I really didn't like his business model. So I said to him, look, I'll take 40% of your company to come on board and, and revitalize it and turn it over providing you get rid of the physical location and all the equipment, which is kind of scary for a gym owner, right? You're like, I'm, I'll yeah, get rid of everything. For sure. And I just want- Especially when that's all he want... knows, you know, right. like that's his livelihood. So you're like taking yeah. it away. <laughs> it's, it's very, very scary. So I got him to get rid of everything. And then I completely revolutionized the, the gym model based on data and feedback that I gained from doing this kind of research, which I, I'll, I'll talk about in a second. But the- what happened was we made $123,000 on launch weekend. Oh, wow. And from, yeah, from 87 grand a year to 123,000, it was only shown to an audience of 100 people. So it was a tiny huh. audience that generated a mass amount of money by being disruptive because our take was unique because it was what the audience wanted. And awesome. yeah, so the research that, that we gave for all you, all you gym owners, everyone's going to copy us now. But, but the, the issue was people felt that it was too much of a commitment to continually go to the gym. It takes a lot of time and busy entrepreneurs don't have the time to do that. So uh, we came up with something called Occam's fitness. So it's Occam'sfitness.com, and it's the Occam's razor of working out. It's the minimum effort to get the maximum output. Okay. And the whole concept is if the fitness trainer isn't trying to charge you by the hour and they have a different pricing model, their focus is instead on getting you results as quick as possible. Mm-hmm. So now the, the the fitness expert and the consumer are in alignment. They both want to get the results as quick as possible yeah. for minimum amount of work. Mm-hmm. And suddenly the whole thing changes where what we did is charged a single price upfront for a lifetime of advice, oh. coaching, uh, unlimited, as much as you want forever. And this way... The, the, the expert put a lot of energy up front to arming the person with their own information. And it turned out that what was very important is when you don't cookie cutter fitness and you don't try and just get them to pay for the next thing, it's really important to do lab testing and to teach them how to do lab testing. So you identify uh, what your food sensitivities are, what kind of workouts you should be doing and shouldn't be doing. So now the program is all front loaded so that the gym user is no longer dependent on the expert. This made it so that they can sign up for a very minimal fee, get all the information they need. And now our expert becomes the one they trust for everything and they never have to pay him again. So why would they ever shop around to any other gym expert when the one that has taught them everything about it and outlined everything and kept no secrets back is now available to them whenever they want for free. This makes them the number one referral source for anything else that we ever want to sell. So anytime we do an affiliate sale or a promotion or supplements, that's the revenue model now. 
And so we become the most trusted. This is completely different to any other personal trainer out there, but enabled us to make a mass amount of money on launch and continue to have people within the program referring friends in because they're like, oh, you have to do this. That's awesome. And what's, yeah, and what's really good about it is you kind of can't steal the information because it's, it's data analyzed to you. So if you tell someone right. else your results, it doesn't help them because it was for you. You, right, right. So is there still in-person training going on though? Mm-hmm. It's all virtual. Okay. That's one of the cool things about virtual. And okay. it's a one-to-many model. So he'll have, you know, 50 students at any one time coming I for the see. questions. Kind of like a group coaching deal, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. And then to make it more okay. personal, there is a uh, there is a as-needed texting and phone call thing. So if you... If you're like, hey, I'm really struggling with this one thing, then the the expert gets on the phone and says, no problem, we'll help you out. So it becomes almost like a fitness concierge. He's there as you need. And then, of course, anything he refers to, he's getting an affiliate fee off the back of it. So if you're like, oh, I really want to get a green supplement. He's like, no problem. This is who I'd recommend. And, of course, we're going to get a kickback on that. Or I really want to buy a gym. What equipment should I get? No problem. This is who to get. And we're going to get paid off that as well. So it, it changes the model. And suddenly, we have a fitness offer in a world of fitness offers where we've got people chasing us. We don't have to go yeah. and look for the audience. They're like, hey, I've heard you've got this pay once, get it forever thing. I love it. So let me guess, he's he's happy you came on board and took 40% of his business? Uh, a little bit, yeah. We just had a, a Business bit. Insider just uh, just interviewed him really? on, on the case study. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that happened last last week on Monday. It hasn't been released yet uh, at the time of recording this. But yeah, they they came because they, they wanted to hear about a gym that became, I mean, significant and 10 times more successful. Yeah, by shutting the physical location down and going remote. And in a world post-COVID, it's very interesting to see these brand new business models. So yeah, it's pretty, yeah, uh, pretty I love cool. It. Well, kudos. That's exciting. Thanks. Yes, yeah, so that's that's the audience piece. So the, the second yes. one, 29%, this is cash flow issues. Well, that's pretty obvious, I feel like, right? I feel like that's, yeah. you know, the common, right? I would be it, like, it, okay. Okay, that common. makes sense. <laughs> it does. But the problem is people don't know how to handle it. So um, this is, it's kind of hard without a spreadsheet. I usually teach this with a spreadsheet, but I'm going to make it as interesting as possible without being boring, but I'll explain, (laughs) explain two different ways. So I want you to imagine two entrepreneurs. Uh, We'll have family business, Fred and smart business, Sam and family business. Fred does what most business owners do. And that is as they make money, keep it all because that's what most entrepreneurs do, right? Like I've now had a $10,000 a month. I've got $10,000. Uh-huh. That is, yeah, right. And then when you make $100,000, you go, I've got $100,000. But <laughs> I love that you're so laughing. Putting I'm it back in, laughing. I'm like, well. <laughs> yeah. So smart blueprint Sam is what we call him uh, or her. I was going to say, yeah, up. let's let's switch it to like a Sam girl, Samantha. Okay, like we got that. one yeah. Fred and then we got Samantha. Go for it. Yeah, because Samantha <laughs> clearly knows what she's doing. Smart blueprint Samantha. So Smart Blueprint Samantha divides up her money into four buckets. So any amount of money that comes in gets split into four. 50% of the revenue is saved specifically for ads and marketing. Mm -hmm. And then the remaining 50% is split in three between staff, costs, and profit. Now, you'll not really have heard of these, these buckets before, uh, these buckets are really important for the growth of the company. Some people will be like, I'll put money aside for taxes and I'll put money aside for myself. Some people use profit first. There was a good book about that, but yeah, it was I, found a great, that do... I read that book. I like that book. Yeah, right. It's it's a really good book. And this this concept actually incorporates a lot of components 
from a number of different sources. So I, I do I do an example with the finances, but basically in month one, if family business Fred made six thousand dollars, Smart Blueprint Sam will only get paid two thousand. So the two thousand will be a thousand from staff because Samantha is the only staff member, so Samantha pays herself a thousand, and then another thousand for profit, which Samantha will also pay herself. The difference between Fred and Sam, however, is Fred's got an extra four thousand dollars which is going to be very tempting to spend on, we're going to go on vacation or we're going to do this other cool thing. Samantha has spent a thousand on costs in the company and probably bothered to get her accounting set up correctly and get legal developed. And with the last $3,000, Samantha has ads and marketing. Mm -hmm. While family business Fred is hoping to get referrals or maybe posting on some forums to get some more leads, Samantha has a very clear route following digital marketers strategies and DM labs. Why not? A little bit of a plug. But now for $3,000, I think at $300 a client, we can assume that Samantha has 10 new clients. And if we follow the same revenue model at month five, assuming a sustained period of growth, Samantha will have 6,000 a month in her take home from the costs uh, sorry, from the staffing and the profit. Mm-hmm. And family business Fred is unlikely to have seen much growth in five months. Right. But, right. But Samantha's operating capital for ads and marketing and for staffing and for costs is so large that she can dominate that market and actually really end Fred because no one sees Fred's ads because Fred doesn't have any. And Samantha's ads grow and reach every single month. Right. Yeah. Fred's in trouble. Mm -hmm. And uh, at this point, Smart Blueprint Sam can change her revenue model and she can take a quarter of her revenue and put it for ads and marketing and a quarter of her revenue and put it for staffing, which enables her to hire employee Emma. And then with the last quarter, sorry, the third quarter she has for costs, which is now a massive amount of money. In fact, it's $4,500 at this point for accounting, tax, lawyers, paperwork, uh, software, anything else she needs for upgrades. And Smart Blueprint Sam's personal salary is still $4,500 a month doing all of this with a, and still a massive $4,500 a month ads and marketing budget to continue growing the company. And so what I like about this is technically with an employee now handling all the work, four and a half grand for costs, four and a half grand for ads and marketing, Samantha doesn't need to work. Mm-hmm. She's got a great salary of 4,500 a month coming in, very comfortable with all the operating costs to grow. And the, the kicker that we haven't mentioned, of course, is if either of them get sick, family business Fred's revenue drops for an entire month, which is a $6,000 loss. Smart Blueprint Sam can take a month off and it's not going to have any impacts on her business whatsoever. Love it. That is how all businesses, at the corporate level, that's how they're organized. I know because I do a lot of advice. I Back in the day, I did some work for um, PepsiCo, Nike, a lot of these like big brands when I used to work yeah. corporate. And so that's how they're all run because that's how a real business is supposed to run. But as entrepreneurs, right. like we said, we don't often even bother taking the time to make a business plan. So mm-hmm. You don't plan Let alone out marketing. Yeah. Well, that's the beauty right. of at least being a marketer like me who starts a marketing agency, you know, 12 years ago is at least I, I, 
deliberately put money into marketing because I am a marketer, right? Like that's what I do. So at least I like didn't even know I was doing these things the right way by hiring and putting all the money back into the business. So I mean, that's good, which but is, it which helps is, yeah. to be a marketer, you know? It t- totally does because it gives you a superpower, <laughs> right? And also, you know, you're, you're clearly smart enough to understand that you're going to need to plan out for some stuff, which is great. But it's just, there, there are some people that, you know, they've never earned that kind of money before. They get a large sum of money and then they make the mistake thinking it's a salary and spend it. And mm-hmm. then they're in trouble. Whereas if you totally. put that time into just organize things correctly, and it really doesn't take a lot, you'll be surprised within months, your cash flow just cleans itself up. And you're doing that without necessarily having to get more leads. You're just, mm-hmm. you're just tidier. Right. And I think a lot of small business owners that aren't marketing savvy, they underestimate the power of marketing, advertising, and getting help and not doing everything themselves, right? They underestimate it and they think that they, just like you mentioned earlier, they think they can live off referrals and that's just not a healthy business model at all. Like I know plenty of small business owners that get a decent chunk of referrals, but that's risky. That's a risky business to run your business hoping that you get enough referrals for the month. I mean, I I wouldn't be able to sleep well at night knowing that that was my main source of, of new business. Right. You you really want to build your business in a way, like I said, where where the clients come to you. Like they're they're looking if you think about all the things in life that you really want to buy, you're not you're not really responding to them advertising. You know for months in advance you want to buy the thing. And then you go to the like the new iPhone or the new laptop that you want or the camera. You've done the you go get it. You're like, no, this is the thing I want. Their, their marketing is almost irrelevant. They just need to be like, hey, this thing's here, come get it. Exactly. And when your products are designed correctly, that's what happens. When your yes. cash flow is designed correctly, you actually have money available every single month, whether you make more. I actually um I once consulted for a company that was officially five times larger than mine, and yet my profit was double what their profit was, even though we were a small company. Right, just because we were structured correctly. So we had a lot more available capital to grow the company and they were struggling every month. Like, oh, we've got to hit this target. We're in trouble, you know, blah, 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 blah. So, you know, I, I think because they talk about this, right? Cash flow problems with more money just escalate. It becomes a bigger yes. stress. You still, because totally. the percentages stay the yep. same. The problems are still there, you know, like they didn't go <laughs> <Yeah>. away. <laughs> but if you structure yes. it right, then the problem goes away within months. And yeah, you, you tighten the belt up for a few months while you fix it, but then you've got the capital available to, to do what you want and, and enjoy things, enjoy the business. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I love it. And then, okay. The what's number three? One, yeah. So this is not attracting the right talent. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Or and how about is, not attracting is... any talent? <laughs> I mean, you just gave an example of someone or, or not attracting enough talent, I feel like is another part of this enough or the right talent, right? Well, Trying to yeah, it's, it's, it's huge. I think entrepreneurs really suck at hiring people and yeah. innately. And there's a, there's a lot of reasons. I know it. So, so my number one rule is I don't hire people I like. That doesn't mean I hire people I don't like. But me liking That's them so funny. Isn't a, okay, isn't a factor. Right? I'm like the like, opposite. I'm not... Like I'm like if I if I I, I want to like hire people that can be my friends. So this is funny. I'm I'm glad we're talking about this now. Maybe I need to change my tune. Maybe I'm gonna have Maybe to change my hiring process. Every entrepreneur thinks the way you do. I'm telling you right now. They all do the same. They're like, yeah, I want to work with somebody I like. Like I want to be uh-huh. friends with them. No, totally. no, that's really bad. That's low productivity. Also, they're a similar personality type to you. So you gained no new skills because they yeah, have your skills. I do skill agree set. with that. Yeah, you need people different than you. I agree 100% mm-hmm. on that. 
Yeah. So in, in our company, I actually, if whether I like somebody or not is irrelevant, I actually, we're a robust company. So we do have a hiring department, HR and stuff, but I will not meet them until just before the hire. So they've all, all the decisions have been made before I get to meet them. And me meeting them at the end is like really just, they get to meet the owner of the company. I, I've That's actually rarely... what I do now too, Adam. So I'm yes. not part of the, I have one of my uh, team members kind of go through their hiring process and she picks out the ones she likes, trials them out. And then once she finds them, then I meet them. So similar, Perfect. but I mean, yeah, I do which... get excited when I like them though, too. It's a bonus, <laughs> it's a, <laughs> but it's no, not a deciding I... factor anymore. I'm not the one at the, at the, you know, going through the whole hiring process. So I like, I, so, I like that. That's good. And so I've got a phrase that, that, that we talk about now. You're not a family. Because you know, a lot of companies go, like, we're a family here. Like, yes. no, we, yeah, no, we're not a family. You're a social club. Oh, okay. I like that. And the difference is- I can get behind a, that. A social Right, because if you're a family, it's hard to fire family. It's hard to get rid yeah, of family. Yeah, you're right. Instead, you're an exclusive social club. We're similar people and we want to hang out with you. But if you mm-hmm. break the rules, you're no longer welcome. Bye. You're kicked out of the right. social club. Peace. <laughs> exactly. But it's, it's something that employees, because they don't like hearing we're family either. Cause they're like, right. until we don't like me anymore. And a lot of people uh-huh. don't have a good, a good connection with their family. Like, I don't like my family. Right. I don't, good right? point. Yeah. Right. But the, the social club they get, like, okay, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. We're exclusive social club. We're all focused on, on the same goal. We're trying to achieve the same thing. We socialize, we hang out, we have a good environment. We're all friendly, but anyone who breaks the rules is kicked out. And so they're like, oh, like got it. it. Okay, they get on board. So I always tell people there's four key components to hiring the right person. And you can think of it as PACK, P-A-C-K. The first one is pay. And I know far too many entrepreneurs that are like, look, we'll just split the profits or we'll split the revenue. Or look, if you help me out, then you know I'll help you out and we can trade services. <laughs> there's an incredible tool that has been designed an, an amazing thing that I, I highly recommend everyone use uh, if you're trying to exchange services to do it in a much more organized way and it's called money and uh, it's this incredible invention where you pay for the services you want and they also pay for the services they want and uh, you exchange Shocker. money <laughs> right it's it's crazy how they they already came up with a solution for this so in our company for we're competitive So we always look at what people are typically paying and we try to pay a little bit more. Next, we have a minimum annual pay raise that beats inflation. Oh, I like that. It's so important because otherwise they're getting a pay decrease every year. Yeah, that's true. Right? And yet we want to be like, we'll increase your pay by 5%. Well, that would have sucked last year when inflation went up over 8% because that didn't help. So... You, you need to pay more than inflation every single year, minimum. And we have a 5% raise minimum. So it's either 5% or it beats inflation. Doesn't match, beats okay, cool. one way or the other. So that's like another key component that we think is very important. We also, we have a very generous schedule. Now, oh. some of my some of my clients actually have a better holiday schedule. I thought mine was really good, but some of them have a better one. And it's worth mentioning a lot of companies are moving towards unlimited holiday pay at the moment. And apparently they're seeing a lot of good results by allowing people to take as much as they want. And it turns out that people don't actually take that much. Uh-huh, uh-huh, um, right. In, right, in our company, I, I'm not brave enough to do that yet, in fairness. Uh, so just showing my own <laughs> mental weaknesses. But we give five <laughs> weeks of paid vacation every year. We, we bring oh, across- nice. Right, because it comes from the European, because I'm British in case you can't tell by mm-hmm. my Texan accent. But we bring across the uh, this European idea that they get five weeks paid vacation every single year 
And and yeah, and, and our so our staff get more vacation with us than they've typically had in any other company, fully paid, and you know they get to there's a they have to request it, and there's all sorts of processes now to do it. But that that generous vacation actually means they're more rested when they come to work. But and then do you feel like uh, thank, do you feel like they yeah. all take five weeks? Like how many? Like what are the percentage of your employees that actually take all five weeks? Uh, yeah, it's a very good question. Many of them take it. Some of them just get a, a little bit of a pay bump by not taking it, and so you know we'll just I pay see. them. What they don't, you so get a, a bigger bonus at the end of the year. We okay. also we also do give a bonus. We gave we gave all of our staff, depending on their levels, a, a four figure bonus last year at Christmas as well. Oh, nice. Which, yeah, which we wanted to make sure. Though I like thinking of it like I don't want my staff to worry about how they're going to pay for Christmas presents. I like I want to give them mm-hmm. enough that they can buy their kids because I got five kids, you know, Playstations or whatever, and it's not coming out of their salary. They're not like, oh, we're going to deal with Christmas. If you work yeah. at our company, Christmas is easy. We give you a bonus that's big enough to buy everybody whatever you want to buy within reason. I love it. That's awesome. Thanks. And then, and then the last, the last thing for competitive pay is medical massive in America, like medical insurance, medical, this medical, that what we did is we just picked the most extensive best medical coverage we could get and gave it to every single staff member. What this does, what I like to think this does is it makes the problem with medical insurance in America, not a problem because we just covered it and we eat that instead of them. Okay. This was phenomenal because the first person that needed full medical coverage in our company was me because I'm an employee of the company. Mm-hmm. And I made the mistake. Of, by the way, you know when they say don't stay in a hot tub for longer than 15 minutes? That's mm-hmm. that's not a casual <laughs> suggestion, by the way. That's real because what can happen is you can apparently get out of the hot tub, stand on the top of your very, very tall deck overlooking your land, and fall unconscious, drop, and remove your shoulder from your body, which is what happened to me uh, at the end of 2020. Wow. That's impressive. Wow. Yeah, it was not it, in the best way, well. but like, no. wow. Yeah. I've never heard of that before. But yeah, don't, uh, okay. yeah, just randomly passed out. So that was fun. But what's, <laughs> what's cool about it is because of our medical coverage, I was capable of hiring the number one shoulder surgeon, which is the Dallas Cowboys shoulder surgeon to repair my shoulder. I yeah drove to, to Dallas after the hospital trip, went to Dallas to get it fixed. This ended up with, I mean, nine months of, of reattaching it after the surgery and then recovery wow. and physiotherapy. Hot tub. And you were sober in this hot tub too? I was sober. I'm just wow. old. Okay? I'm, I'm old. I sound young. I'm old. That's what happened. I passed out. And oh I, I was in the hot tub for an hour and a half. And so it's safe oh. as 15 minutes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> hour and a half. As a, I don't think I've ever been in my hot tub for an hour and a half. That's extreme. It, yeah. I think my skin would fall off. I feel like my skin would like, you know, like. cold day. Up. I didn't want to go outside. I don't want to leave the Damn, hot tub. Damn, you really cold. like your hot tub, man. The whole thing, the nine, everything. Because I hear about these crazy big medical bills, right? It mm-hmm. costs $2,000 for the whole nine months. Wow. That's impressive. Because that's really right. Impressive. Because our medical coverage is so robust, we got the best mm-hmm. one we could get. And I, I always think that you know that was like a higher power looking down on me and being like, "Well done for picking the best medical coverage," because right? you would have needed, yeah. Because otherwise, you'd have had a two million dollar bill. <laughs> yeah, right. So that would have been no um, fun. Right. Yeah. So that's that's a big one. But the next is you have to have a hiring and firing system. So I love that that you have a hiring system. You've got somebody that hires for you. In our company, uh, what we do is we do something many people do. We have weird requests, like you've got to respond in a unique font or like a specific color to just to see if people pay attention. Same. And then we always- I do a quote. I say, oh, please include your favorite quote when you apply. And Adam, do you know how many people? Well, I'm sure you know because you do something similar. I'm always, I'm, I'm, I don't know why I've been doing this for years, but I'm still always shocked at 
like 1% of people actually read the full thing and do what we say yeah. and leave their favorite poet. I'm like, what? How come like hardly <laughs> anyone do? And we're always like, attention to detail is very important. And then no one gets that little line, attention to detail. I'm like, well, it's the best way to weed out people though. Like it's yeah. amazing. So it, I'm glad you mentioned it, no, that. It's, right. It's so huge. And then what we'll do is we will, as part of the interview process, we will give them a task to do before their first interview. And we mm -hmm. say they must take no longer than 10 minutes to do it. And okay. it's always a task that they would normally do in our company, but we don't want it aimed at our company. So we make it clear, look, we're not going to use this. So, so for example, we hired for an editor recently, a film editor, and we said to them, we would like you to take your favorite movie trailer and re-edit it in only 10 minutes. It's a timed exercise. And then send to us what you create in 10 minutes because we just want to see what you're capable of. This lets us know how they perform under pressure, um, what their skill set is, but we'll do it with any role in the company. We will just pick Do you pay task. them for it? So no, it, that is part of the test, but again, okay. we will never use that work. So okay. what this lets us know is it's only 10 minutes. It's not eating into like a large amount of their day, but it does let us know, are we dealing with somebody here who's, who's eager? Like, are they like, yeah, yeah I'll do this. Mm -hmm. Like, because there is definitely a, an entitled attitude in the workplace nowadays where someone's like, oh, yes. you want me to do 10 minutes of work and I'm not getting paid? I actually mm -hmm. don't want that kind of employee. We're, we're very good to our employees. We actually will not make them work without paying them. But we'd like to know that if, if they need to go above and beyond, that it isn't too much to ask them, hey, as a one-off, hey, would you mind doing this thing? Like, this is really important to us. Like, we really need help here. And we'll always pay for it. But things like that happen. And what you don't want is an employee that's like, no, I'm not going to move. No, that's how it is. I'm not doing that. And right. that's, that attitude is a problem. So we filter for that attitude. Like, and it, it's fun. Like a film editor to ask them to edit their favorite movie trailer. This yeah, shouldn't be a fun. chore. Right. right. Yeah. It's, and, and we're always trying to make sure the task is something that they would probably enjoy doing. I mean, they need to have a show reel anyway. They can add it to their show reel. It doesn't benefit us. It's not like we're a movie trailer company, but mm -hmm. it just, mm -hmm. it's 10 minutes of time to show us that you're willing to go above and beyond and to show us your skill set, like be proud, create something you're proud of. And so that's been really valuable for us to help filter. And then obviously we do a lot of personality testing and we find, we'll look and see which personality test, test results are right for different roles. So we want a, an organized detail oriented person for project management, whereas we want more of a creative type for editorial work or, or video work and what have you. So, so what are your go-to um, personality tests? Great. So I, I actually really like Emergenetics. There's a book on it. It's a really good book. Okay. Emergenetics. And that's like focused on the workplace and, uh, and personality tests uh, in the workplace. Okay. That's, that's the one that we typically use. Although I know my, uh, we actually also within our company, we're very strict on stay in your lane. So no matter what department you're in, you can't elbow in somebody else's department. That includes my department. So I can't elbow into... So I know that my HR person actually currently is favoring Myers-Briggs. And as much as I'm not mm -hmm. into it, I don't get to tell my HR person you can't use Myers-Briggs because otherwise I'm, <laughs> Myers I'm like tying their hands, you know? So I'm like, yeah. do it the way you want to do it. And in fairness, since they've done that, all our hires have been great. So good. What, my opinion's irrelevant, right? It doesn't, doesn't matter. <laughs> which, is which, is um, which actually I, I think brings me to... So the, the last two points, the, the third one is killer referrals. Actually, technically it's the fourth point, but I want to save the, the third one to last. Killer referrals is the next one. We typically will employ from referrals first. So okay. they still go through the same hiring process, but as we use Indeed or any of these other websites to hire someone, we will also majorly put out, hey, if you know someone, and we've found that nine times out of 10, that referral will often beat everyone else because 
they've heard of you through their friends and they're like, no, I, mm-hmm. I actually do want to work for that company. So that can be, uh, that can be big. So, nice. and then the last one, the one that I, I really love is a culture match. So mm-hmm. I think not a lot of energy is put into entrepreneurs and the culture of the company. And I, I teach culture in a very specific way that I found not, not many other people talk about it the way I do. Your company culture shouldn't, in my opinion, be something you decide. You don't say, this is going to be our company culture. You also shouldn't be like, oh, this company is successful because they have that culture. We're going to have the same one. Instead, what we do is we take all of our employees and we brainstormed with them and we got them to write down all the qualities about me that they admire and wish they had in themselves and want to work towards having. Hey, Ryan Dice here. You know, it's been a while since I've run the day-to-day for Digital Marketer, the company that Roland and I are partners in. Fortunately, we have a great team and great partners who help us with all that nitty-gritty stuff now. But the one thing that we focused on while I was there and the one thing the team still focuses on to this day is optimizing everything. I'm talking testing everything from the sales copy to the color of the checkout button. Testing like this can have a huge impact on your bottom line, but the truth is it takes a lot of time and a lot of resources. And half the time we were just throwing stuff against the wall just to kind of see what stuck. But the good news is you don't have to figure everything out on your own anymore. And that's because our friends at Conversion Fanatics have optimized hundreds of sites in all types of industries from small startups to Fortune 500s. And now they can handle all your testing and optimization for you too. So if you feel stuck when it comes to optimizing your website, go and visit conversionfanatics.com and they'll give you a list of custom suggestions to optimize your site 100% free. Once again, you can find them at conversionfanatics.com. Now, what this did was it created a culture that wasn't me in a draconic way saying, this is the culture we will all live up to. It was my employees and and heads of my department saying, these are the qualities about you that make us want to work with you. And they then became the company culture that we all live towards, which is very easy for me to live by because that's who I am. Mm -hmm. And it illustrates what they look up to in me and why they want to work for me. So I'll share with you ours. We have six. So the first one is do what you say you will and have integrity. Every staff member in my company, right. And they all say, that's one of the cool things about working for me is if I say I'm going to do something, I do it right. If I'm like, Hey, you guys are all going to get, cause we didn't always have medical. I was like, you're all going to get full medical by the end of the year. I said that a few years ago and everyone got it. So I'm like, if I'm saying I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. Stick to your oh, And they like that about me. And that's cool because it's like, oh, that's a cool quality. I just assume that's normal, but it's not normal. And it's not. So they have it. <laughs> right. Yes. right. Unfortunately. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, it, and in my world, it's real. Maybe not. Yeah. So, so the next one is a lead with empathy. And uh, this one's it. a big one that a lot of my employees didn't have that I have. If someone's late for work, I'm not like, hey, why are you late? I'm like, hey, you okay? What happened? And my default is their car broke down or they got bad news. That's like what I assume. I don't assume I woke up late. <laughs> so that was a really cool one that the whole company wanted to employ. And I was like, all right, that's great. I like that. Another one's no entitlement. It doesn't matter what department you're in. Like I'll clean the trash or I'll clean the dishes or I'll, I get mm-hmm. dirty with my stuff. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't mind doing the You're trash not too jobs. good to do a little bit of dirty work. 
Right. Yeah. Every, we're all living in the same environment. In fact, I've spent the last, the first two weeks of January, I've been reorganizing the entire office for everyone. I got everyone a brand new desk and I uh, installed it myself. I added like these cool, like motion power banks that like pop up and it looks like Star Ooh, Trek or something. Right. Yeah. I did all this kind of stuff because they said they wanted a cool workspace. I was like, all right, I'm going to make it for you. And uh, I got like giant TVs so they could like, you know, tune into oh. me on big monitors and stuff, you know, just, I listen to them and, and I don't mind putting in that work. So I've been doing that myself. No cynicism. And you have to highlight the solution, not the problem. So okay. one thing that employees will often do is they'll just go around, but, oh, this is an issue. This was a problem. I couldn't do it because of that. And then it just sounds like excuses. And as the owner of the company, you're like, I'm hearing all these excuses for why the work didn't get done, but why didn't it get done, right? Instead, in our company, if you have a problem, you have to bring the, the suggested solution with it. I like it. So, yeah, hey, I think this was an issue. Just so you know, this is my solution to fix it. Do you think that's good? Or do you have something else you'd rather I go with? Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. And that way, like as a business owner, you don't get stressed out trying to solve problems all day. You're just saying, yeah, right. do that solution or can we come up with something different, right? The next one is grow or die. Businesses are evolving. The universe is changing. Everyone's leveling up. And if you are archaic and refuse to, you're going to have problems. I think uh, I just uh, released a video on my personal social media about how to copyright value when there's no inherent financial value. So for things like therapy or love or relationships or fitness, things that you can't really quantify as how much money I made, how do you put a price on that which is priceless essentially? And in order to explain it, the way I, I write that sales copy or that sales method is I will often get very personal. And so I was teaching it live and I made a statement. I was like, hey, before I teach this, I just want to get consent from everyone in the room. Are you guys okay if I take things a little bit darker and bring up some sensitive material? And what I I loved is I got all these comments from a a lot of women that are followers of mine saying, thank you so much for demonstrating consent on stage. They're like, that's something that that we don't see enough of. And I I love that compliment. I was really proud of it because once upon a time, I used to think it was funny to shock entire audiences and just go straight into it and be like, this is the real deal. But we don't live in that world anymore. The, the world's yeah, changed. You're right. And we don't. <laughs> we don't. And, and so I love that, that, that we've evolved. And as a company, as one of our core values is we evolve. We move with the times. Mm-hmm. We don't necessarily give up who we are, but we will absolutely take into consideration what other people may need. <laughs> and then uh, the last one, our last value is uh, we take immediate action. So if you say, I'm going to do something, we do it instantly. Don't even sit on if, it for yeah. months. Right. But even if that thing is just to make a note in a diary of, you know, to outline the plan. And then once we get to that point, then we will do it. So there's always immediate mm-hmm. action. And so they're the key components we live by. But what's cool is when we hire somebody and we give them that core values even during the hiring process, they get to opt in and say, you know what? I love these values. I want to work for your company. How do you give it to them? Like, is it? In the interview, we will literally say, these are the I know, but like, values. is it like on a PDF? Is it like on a piece of paper? Like, where is that? Yeah, so we will, yeah, we'll bring it up on screen. So, because a lot okay. of the interviews are on Zoom. And so we'll just okay. put it. And sometimes, honestly, I've done more. I just cut and paste it in the chat. Like really, in, I'm just like, hey, just so you know, these are the core values. I just want to make sure that you know what you're getting yourself into. This is how we operate. And are there any of these core values that you don't think resonate with you or you wouldn't be comfortable at, you know, in, in displaying? The rest of the company will agree to live by these things. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. And so that's, that. and how, many, that- how often, Adam, do you get people that are like, no, I don't like these core <laughs> values? I mean, realistically, have you ever had anyone that's like, I can't get behind these? So funny enough for the editing position, because that's the most recent hire, we had somebody 
come on board. They did the interview process, said, yep, 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 I'm in. 24 hours later said, you know what? I don't think there's a culture fit here. I'm going to leave. What? Really? Yeah, off the core values. And from our perspective, we're like, what a win. Because they didn't say it in the interview. So we didn't know which one or what the thing was. But they, they thought about it. We, we said yes. They didn't even turn up. It was from, yeah, you've got the job. And we purposely don't get rid of the other candidates. We, we will hold on to candidates for a week after someone joins, just in case Smart. something goes wrong in that first week. So yeah, so we'll often say to somebody, hey, just so you know, we've gone through the interview process. We've found someone that we'd like to trial. However, they're going to be on a trial and we may get back to you within a week or two. So, you mm-hmm. know. That's how we do just, it too. Perfect. Yeah, it's not a definite no. It's a, we've probably found somebody, but mm-hmm. you know, if you haven't found anything- But things happen, weeks, like random saying that they- <laughs> Right, yeah. Like our and, amazing culture. That's what's so like mind blowing to me. I'm like, I could get behind that culture all day, every day. I mean, that's pretty much, you know, us. So I'm like, what, who and why? Now I'm curious why. Like, they probably didn't say why though, huh? They just said not a culture fit. There was no explanation. I, I think, I, I think the one and like, just like who the person was, I have a funny feeling it was the entitlement one. Because oh. we will often, we will often illustrate what we mean by that one. And what, okay. what we typically mean by that one is like, um, we, you're going to be on a salary, but if you think you're just going to sit at your desk and chat to your friends on Facebook and get away with, you know, playing some phone games, uh, I was like, you're going to have a problem. I was like, because in our company, any ta- because of our SOPs, we know how long tasks take. So mm-hmm. for example, in the edit department, I know that for each minute of raw footage, it takes three minutes of editing excluding music graphics like this is just a known number mm-hmm. so if i give you an hour of footage i expect the first edit to come back within three hours of when you start sure. the task not of me giving it to yeah. you but when, so i expect you to put it in there and, and so i'll outline this to somebody I'm like this is what we expect and and i tell them i was like and i know because i've done editing myself i can do it in two hours i don't need the mm-hmm. third hour so we give three hours because we know this is the you know a comfortable amount of time it's not even average it's a comfortable amount of time to, right. to do it and right. do a good job and once we start explaining the entitlement thing, I think there are some people that are like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to struggle with that one. Like, I know that I, I stall for time. And, okay. and I think that's been one of the ones that, which is great. They just wanted a cush editing job where they could play on Facebook all day, maybe. <laughs> right. They're like, oh, exactly. sorry, you got another thing coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can just pretend this is a complicating editing job, but actually it's, uh-huh. you know, and it, it isn't complicated, but like there's work to be done. Okay. So. That one makes more sense then. Like I can, yeah. I can see how someone who thought that they might be hitting the jackpot here, working with y'all and just piddling <laughs> around on social media all day could be like, uh, maybe I'm going to back and up they- the break on this job a little bit <laughs> right yeah and, i mean but it could i suppose it could also be grow or die i've thought that, about that one before there are some people that are uncomfortable with learning new things and yeah. uh, you know because we have a budget put aside like the the editor uh, we hired uh, we, we paid for a bunch of trainings for them that things they didn't know how to do and that's like in our budget is like continual training and there are some people like i don't want to learn anything new i'm good you know and the, the ego gets so it could be that i mean it could be a number of things that the beautiful thing is we don't have to worry about it by explaining our core values. It's like, yeah, exactly. This is not be, I love yeah, that. This is I mean, that's like a, a perfect example sense. for you guys of like how powerful those core values actually are. Yeah. It, and, and what's really cool and what I like, and I can't emphasize this enough, when you don't state these are the, because a lot of people, entrepreneurs, will be like, these are the core values we're going to live by. What they mean is that's what they want to embody themselves. The core values in our company are really easy because they're things I already live. That's, that's who I am as a person. I've absolutely got a whole bunch of flaws as well. Like I will absolutely sit and stare at a wall for a while while I'm brainstorming what I'm going to do next. And, you know, so if I had, 
you know, every minute of every day will be productive. That would not work in our company because I absolutely don't do that. Like I, I enjoy time with my family. I enjoy Like I've been painting miniatures all day before this meeting, just so you know, Mandy, that's what sure. I'm doing. Being <laughs> miniatures. But like, but that's, I've designed my business in a way that I can have that freedom. And likewise, I'm strict and making sure that my staff go home on time and they get freedom. And, you know, that's that's pretty big for us. So so the company runs by the core values that we have, whereas I know there are other people that are grinders and they want to work 15 hours a day and you know, good mm-hmm. for them. Uh, but that's not something that I want to do or, or aspire to. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Well, this has all been so great, Adam. Is there anything else that we didn't cover here? Should we cover all the... <laughs> key points? Yeah, no, I think, I think we covered anything. I mean, for, for anyone that's, that's still listening, you know, if, if you want to go over to the smartblueprint.com, we have a ton of free resources and materials. We have a, a business plan outline that you can borrow and steal. We've got like the breakdown of a lot of these lessons that I'm sharing here, including breakdown of the cash flow and how to divide it up with all the examples. So, you know, please feel free to go there and, and get it for free. And Manny, I want to say thank you so much for you. Like I'm aware you stepped in last minute to, to come and do this and, and you're visiting a friend in Atlanta and you're still tuning up and, and <laughs> Hey, the work. hustle is real when you're an entrepreneur you know so gotta yeah, do what you gotta is. do <laughs> I appreciate it I well no well thank it. you for taking time and where um, aside from the website the smartblueprint.com are you super mm-hmm. active on any social channels you want people to follow you on yeah I mean I'm, I'm, I'm pretty big on Facebook because I've got the verified blue tick thing so so I'm there on the Facebook so you can always come and follow oh, you're me there. fancy I, with your verified I, little blue check mark <laughs> no I've got I no idea it. where it came from they just gave it to me one day but and I'm unverified on Instagram so I'm not like cool on Instagram probably because I don't dance to TikTok music which I probably should I know right I same I'm with you I'm uncool too I'll, I'll join but that boat I, with you the old uncool boat <laughs> right yeah but but yeah I'm, I'm, I'm on Instagram too where you'll often find me and Roland pinging each other because uh, Roland Frazier is one of my business partners so we do a lot of work. Oh, together, love so. it. Okay. Yeah. Right so, on. So right on. That. Well, but, awesome. But well, okay. So Facebook followed mm-hmm. by Instagram and then the smartblueprint.com. Everyone go check that out. Amazing resources. Thank you so much, Adam. This has been incredible, super, super helpful and very beneficial for everyone who is listening. I learned always whenever I <laughs> watched any of your stuff and, and hear you here, I'm always, always taking tidbits from you. So I appreciate uh, your time and your awesome value and resources. And we will, I'm sure, be chatting again. Thanks, Manny. Appreciate you. All right. Thanks so much, Adam. Hey, DM listeners, if you're running a Black Friday or Cyber Monday special, listen up, because Digital Marketer just released our Canva holiday promo pack. It includes almost 200 templates that you can use to make the graphics for all your upcoming holiday specials and three unique design themes for each holiday. The promo pack is usually $27, but you can get it today for free. Check the show notes for the link to download, or you can go directly to digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates. That's digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates.